Welcome back to Out of the Bubble. My name's Rachel Peru and I'm a grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of Bubble podcast. I started a new career four years ago, age 46, and found on social media so many amazing, inspiring women who were really embracing life and leaving a trail of inspiration along the way, helping to break down those stereotypical middle-aged barriers. So I thought the podcast would be a great way to share some of these stories with you. So season three, I'm really excited to be back. I've been chatting with a diverse set of women of all ages, whose stories I know will help women become more confident in body and mind. I discovered today's guest while scouring Instagram for body confident and accepting women. And Jess Megan definitely falls into this category. She uses her platform to inspire other women to accept their bodies and is an absolute delight to be following. So I did actually briefly meet her last year at Christiana's Real Catwalk as well. And I am looking forward to finding out more and talking to her today. Good morning, Jess. How are you today? Morning, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. It's lovely to see you on here. Thank so, you. how's lockdown looking for you? Oh my gosh, it, lockdown is such a strange, it's an unusual time, isn't it? Because we're all, we're not doing it, we're not being sort of called to do anything particularly major. In fact, if anything, we're being told to do the complete opposite. Yeah. And yet, we are all filled with this sort of weird sort of feeling of dread and anxiety and I think it's because as human beings we need that productivity and I think like it doesn't necessarily have to be anything major but just that having that structure or at least we're used to having structure aren't we yeah. so I've just got this constant feeling in my chest of oh my god am I doing enough am I doing you know I, I, I don't have I don't have a, a like no one's telling me to where to be I think that's what it is it's that weird yeah. sort of I've always been told I have to go and be here and, and then here. And then all of a sudden there's, there's nothing, there's none of that. So, um, I mean, it's strange actually, even just being asked to do podcasts and so on. I'm like, I have to, I have to speak to a human. I, ho- I hope I've still got the skills. I hope I can still speak to people like I used to, you know, cause I'm just not practicing at the minute. I'm talking to my dog and he's not a great conversationalist. So <laughs> very, very strange time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, because before I was doing the podcast just um, over the telephone. So this has forced me to be more visual because I was craving uh-huh. seeing people and wanting to talk to people one-to-one. So in yeah. some respects, it's been a good thing for me to push myself out of my comfort zone. Um, but yeah, it's that craving just missing being around people and being busy it's frustrating isn't it but it's weird and also I know what you mean about the the FaceTime thing it's it's very it's just it's got this kind of there's a sort of added slight kind of bizarre anxiousness to it you know and and it's also good but it's really good because you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and in this particular time I think people I mean it's you know because you're in your house and when you're in your house that's your that's where you go to be with your either your loved ones or you're by yourself and you so you get you get used to that and all of a sudden in your house you're without having to basically invite your entire office into your home and you know they're judging your interior design and it's like this is where I come to be my full self and I'm having to kind of bring the world in a little bit and it just feels it feels very strange and and unusual (laughs) I feel sullied and unusual Rachel (laughs) so for anybody that doesn't know you Jess how do you describe yourself oh my goodness I'm so bad at this um so I guess I'm a curve model and influencer so I'm a social media influencer my focus is on body confidence sex and well-being um those are my three sort of most passionate topics um Mm -hmm. 
and uh, I was nominated by, by Cosmopolitan for health and well-being and I've worked with numerous brands such as The Body Shop and all these fantastic sort of like brands that I very much admire and um, I'm very loud talk very I talk a lot and um, I'm very I'm very outspoken on the subject of women so mm -hmm. feminism's like I guess you could yeah feminism's kind of my that's my forte that's yeah. what I like to talk about you know fabulous I never know what to say no but that's perfect I mean I came across you on Instagram about three years ago four years ago um, because I was searching for people that were more body confident and body accepting um, because I've really tried to create my feed surrounded by people like that and you completely just embrace your body and also encourage other women to be more accepting of themselves and I love that about you it's brilliant so uh, you're a little ray of sunshine over on Instagram for me thank you <laughs> thank you that's so kind how old were you when you first started modeling and I was when I started modeling do you know somebody asked me this this morning on my live and I was I did that thing where I went 21 22 21 22 I just I was like which which one was it was it in the was it just on the brink I can't remember I think I think I was about I think it was in the early year of 2000 and I want to say 16 so I must have been 22 um so yeah it was um I started I, I mean, you know what? I didn't actually, people often say that the modeling world with regards to age is a little bit strange, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, young is, is in, in the modeling world is like, you know, sort of 14, 15. And then, yeah. you know, oh, well, well, you know, even younger than that. And then, then that you, you're considered sort of 21, 22 when you started to hit your peak. But I, I, I started then and I feel like I'm just beginning, you know, and I feel like it is changing a little bit. So yeah, like anyway, you asked me when I started and I started yeah. at 22. I'm a very tangent type person. My apologies. No, I love it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> How difficult was it when you first started? Was it what you expected it to be like or did you find hurdles that you really struggled with? Do you know, the way I didn't expect it to be, I didn't expect it to be as, I mean... I, I thought it was going to be a lot harder to break into the modeling world being somebody who was shorter. And at the time when I started modeling, I was a sort of size 10. So, you know, even then I was taught and I was working with um, like more amateur photographers and they would often sort of class me as a curve model. So I was very much of this, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a curve model. Um, and so when I got signed, I thought it would be, I was surprised at how sort of like simpler it was. I was like, oh, okay, this wasn't, this wasn't too bad. And then it, and you know, but then I sort of like, then you get on the, on, on the online world and you realize actually that harshness is still out there. And that's when I started to, I put on more weight, you know, size 12, 14 became a genuine, more of a genuine curve model. It was, there was, I, I mean, I think it would be, it would be dishonest to say it was the mo it was really really difficult for me um i think that i was given a great advantage in that i was at university at the time i had a car and um i would basically just i joined up on um i mean there was obviously a lot of like you know i did i did work for it mm. but at the time it was more of a hobby and i think that's the, the that was the key in the end it wasn't uh i'm going to be a model it was 
I'm just going to do this for fun because I quite like being taken photos of. I loved acting. So I'll just kind of do this as a side thing and then I'll see what, you know, maybe maybe nothing will come of it and I'll just have a nice little portfolio of images of myself. And then I sort of started, it developed into a career, mm. which was absolutely not what I was expecting at all. So yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> what started. were you wanting to do before you'd kind of fall into the modeling? What, what had you planned to do career wise? Journalism. Right. I was going to write. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I've I've got thick dissertations worth of writing. I've got blogs and yeah, I've got writings and folders and files. I've scattered everywhere of articles that I've written. Um, that's why I put so much. I think into the captions on my Instagram. They're very short form, mm. but I really do think that they have a huge impact on how I connect with people. Mm. Um, so yeah, it would have been journalism or it would have been like production. I really wanted to work at the BBC and it's ironic because I have worked with them now, um, but just in a different capacity. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was my initial goal. And were you always this body confident and accepting of, of your body from a young age or has it something that's grown through pushing yourself out of your comfort zone through work? It's a really interesting question and it's one I've thought about a lot um, because I think I've gone back and forth. So I know that I definitely felt shame in my body, but I think that every everyone does or every woman specifically very mm -hmm. much feels that shame, that sort of Catholic hangover that we've got of, you know, our bodies becoming sexual. Mm -hmm when we hit about 14 or 15 um and with and so that i mean the reason i talk about that is because i do think that comes under that under that confidence aspect i think yeah. a lot of us hide because of the the shame of like you know the fact that we have breasts and hips and all this sort of thing mm. so we get a bit worried about how we show those those assets off um and but when i yeah so i i sort of i recall i was fat i was definitely like i was a, i was a fat child um and sort of, you know, it kind of, I guess it became more shapely as I sort of hit about 15, 16. Um, so it went from feeling shame about being fat to feeling shame about suddenly becoming sexually attractive to, to, to boys and men. But I always had this undercurrent of performer, entertainer, sort of, I really wanted to it was, it was strange. I didn't have a lot of friends in school. In fact, I had no friends for a long time, but I still wanted to, I wanted to show myself off. I, mm. I still wanted to be the sort of center of attention and I loved being on stage and I didn't mind that. It was just when I was off stage or when I was on my, by myself, that's when I became, you know, a little bit more sheltered. Um, but I used to sort of sing and act and I loved that. And I think that has a huge, I think that plays a huge part in, in the way I am online now and yeah. my career. But as for, when it comes to sort of this personal battle in my body, I definitely didn't feel shame until other people pointed it out in me. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. I think yeah. that we all have this rem remembering being children and being, you know, young and, and vibrant until somebody said, have you, have you noticed your body? Mm. Have you, and then it happens again and again and again and again. And then all of yeah. a sudden it becomes like, it's all I can think about now. So yeah. I think that was, that was what it was. And in my adult life, I've suddenly gone, what am I, what am I really like ashamed of? You know, what should I be ashamed of? It's, it's, it's not, it's not right. It's not fair. So, yeah. Obviously body acceptance is a fluid thing as well, isn't it? So you do, you do have, I have bad days and good days. 
um, mm. even though I am overall in a much better place than I ever have been in, in my younger life. What do you do on the days that you really struggle with, with kind of low body acceptance? What are your tools? So on those days, I suppose, when the, on the days that I feel particularly low, I try to remember, and I, I think the pressure's on nowadays with regards to you have to love your body every single day, every minute of the day, and if you don't, then you're doing it a disservice. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're still unpicking some really deeply like, like interwoven threads, mm. and we're still trying to kind of like figure out you know, where we're at with our bodies, and there are some days that are just going to be complete write-offs in terms of loving your body and that's completely fine you don't have to stand there in front of a mirror and say no I, I love this about myself and I love this and I love I love you know my my arm fat and I love you don't have to do that it's 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 completely some days you can just you can just see your body as a vessel that's carrying you through the day and and that's it that's all it is it's just I'm gonna get from here to here I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend all this time trying to convince myself that my body's amazing because sometimes mm. we're just neutral. We're just, yeah. you know, and I, I think, I think that pressure of, I, you know, I hate, I don't particularly like the sort of terms like cellulite, you know, yeah. that kind of, yeah. this over sort of this, this, uh, I guess it's that kind of like, I, I don't want to say like, maybe not capitalism is the right word, but just that way of kinding like, kind of like glosses over the fact that we are human and we have days where we just don't, feel that great yeah. about ourselves one of my biggest things is like when I have bad like I like have bad skin on my bum you know and mm -hmm. it's just like or I've got like you know forehead spots and I think you know it is it's annoying I'm just like oh that sucks but I think if you just admit it sucks just today yeah. I feel shit I feel like shit today it relieves you of that thing okay I've, I've, said it. I've said it now I've not tried to deny myself the feeling of feeling like shit because I feel like shit and that's yeah. what you should do it's much more um, cathartic doing it yeah. yeah I completely agree how how important do you think it is because you've been working with some really inclusive fashion brands that have been really good at representing diversity how important do you think the fashion industry is in helping women achieve this this body acceptance so fashion is absolutely crucial like crucial because if you're not i mean it's all well and good for people like me you know to be talking about how um you know we should feel good about ourselves but if the fashion brands aren't delivering the clothes that these people that that you know larger sizes need um in order to feel good then it's completely useless i can say to you all day you should feel good about your body but if you're not seeing that reflected yeah. in the brands that you're consuming from and then you're thinking well great but you know at the end of the day i need to be able to wear i want to be able to wear bright and vibrant clothes to reflect my personality and if mm -hmm. the only thing that's being like you know um belted out for me is just blacks browns and things that hide my shape then what industry is telling you is that you should not be seen or at least you know you should be hiding your shape until you develop a body that is in keeping with the kind of clothes that you know are bright and colorful mm. so it is i can't i i mean this is something that i've spoken about forever and you know it's i can't even begin to tell you how important this is I desperately, desperately want to see brands start doing this on a, on a level that's just, it's just normal. Yeah. You have, because it's always, you know, maybe sort of from 
eight to six, eight to, and a lot of the time it's on 12 is still like the cutoff for some, even some major high street, high street brands. But like, you know, I want it to be normal to see 22s, 24s, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. I know that a lot of brands say, well, it, it's the cost. It's the, you know, it's the cost of the, the fabric and whatnot. And so, and it's like, but people are, there's still going to be a demand. So why would you miss out on a, on a, from a marketing perspective? Why would you want to miss yeah. out on it yeah. seems crazy to me. So yeah, absolutely crucial. I mean, and I know from, from my point of view as an older model, you know, I love, I love modeling lingerie and swimwear and you never see, you very rarely see women over 40 being represented. And I know if I walk into a, into a lingerie shop and see posters of young girls that are 21 looking fantastic, it makes you feel shit about yourself, whether you're body accepting and confident or not. To compare yourself to a younger image is really hard and so it really frustrates me that these brands don't they're not moving quickly enough in my opinion do you know what it's it's interesting as well that you say that because obviously i was speaking the, i speak from the perspective of size and then but one of the sorely sorely like um kind of isolated spheres of modeling is the sort of women over sort of even women over like 35 women over 40 women over 50 as and it's just this it's just this consistent idea that it's almost like we're gonna pretend that they don't exist and and you know what it, i maintain that the reason is because if you keep women trying to be in their 20s their whole life you're going to consistently have a consumer a very hungry consumer base who are constantly going to be eating up anything you give them in terms of like skincare and beauty and if you like women are just expected to be in their 20s their entire lives even when they're 14 yes. they're expected to be older yeah. and then when when you're 30 and above you have to try and be 20 you have to be in your 20s again I mean I'm in my 20s now and people have already started commenting on the fact that I'm approaching 30 right and you know and it's that thing of like and it's it's so annoying because again it's what I was saying earlier about about um I, I wasn't thinking about it until people started telling me about it all the time and it's like I wasn't even really paying attention to it until you pointed it out. And now it's on my mind. It's very frustrating. Yeah. But I completely agree with you. There is, it's sorely, sorely ignored the fact that we don't have, like, we don't have women over 40 in more campaigns, particularly when, like, I'm sorry, but, like, again, from a, from, from a marketing perspective, why wouldn't you want to, why wouldn't you yeah. want to use models that look like the people that are buying your stuff? Yeah. Well, hopefully things will start to change. You never know, this lockdown might change. I think it will change attitudes in the fashion industry. I think it will have to. I think they've been forced to maybe start re-looking at things. So we shall see. Yeah, I really hope so. I really hope so. Maybe they're, they're forced to look at their um, consumer base a bit more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and actually sort of like trying to, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I, I would love to see, I would love to see older models. I really would like, like I, I have, I see the same sort of thing. You see the same stuff all the time, don't you? So you just, just to see a, a bright and colourful, like variable base of models in, yeah. in advertising would be, oh, it'd be a dream. It'd be amazing. Have you got a dream brand that you've not yet worked with that you would love to work with? <laughs> um, my dream brand, actually, I've worked with my dream brand. My dream brand was The Body Shop. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, my dream brand was The Body Shop. They were the ones that I wanted like I've wanted them for about two years now. Um, I've, I'd really like to work with Fenty Beauty or Savage. Mm -hmm. um, that would be amazing. I mean, 
yeah, it's weird because whenever I think of my dream brand, I think the body shop and now I'm, I have, I have a great like rapport with them. So mm. that's like, that's amazing for me. I remember actually, I mentioned it on a few podcasts. In fact, now that you've asked me that, that's the first, first time I've been asked that in a long time. Mm. And I remember when I said on a podcast like three years ago, I said, oh, the body shop was my dream brand. And I got them in 2018 for the first time. And ever since then, I've been working with them pretty regularly. So because the reason I love them so much is because they are one of the biggest brands in the world. And yet they are very ethically focused yeah. Yeah. and have managed to prove, and they've proven that you don't have to be, be like ethically sort of like, you don't have to be ethically ignorant in order to be like massive. Mm. You just, if you, if you stick to your guns and you really focus on what matters as for them, it's the cruelty free and you know, the natural kind of products and all of this, it, you can still be a fan, a, a brilliant brand. So mm. I'm really proud to work with them. And you use your social media platform in such a positive way how difficult is it putting yourself out there though because you have got a lot of followers and you know there are lots of positive people out there but there's also a lot of negativity isn't there how do you cope with that well i'm a human being and that's exactly the kind of approach i take to everyone that brings criticism to me i say do you expect these influencers or these or whoever's whoever's got a platform do you expect them to fall out of the sky completely perfectly formed because nobody is mm. and there are and if somebody comes to me and points something out that I they feel like I've done wrong I then get to assess that and I think right do I think do I agree with this person first of all how have they how have they brought it to me have they brought it to me screaming and kicking because that's a really that's very off-putting but if they've come to me with a fair point I'll always take it on board and I'll always consider it, but it doesn't always mean I'm going to agree with it. I had some um, criticism last night on the post that I posted and I said on that post, on that, on that comment, I said, I understand your frustration, but just because you disagree with it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it shouldn't be said. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that, that what I've said has absolutely no value in the world just because you personally don't find value in it. And a lot of the time, I mean, the criticism can also be incredibly sort of like, I mean, the, whenever it comes to criticism, I often think of the kind of constructive-ish criticism, but then there's obviously also the bullying and there's the sexual yeah. harassment, which is completely different and deserves to be dealt with in a completely different way. And I often think I personally would never go onto somebody's post and say horrible things about them. So I honestly do believe, and I don't think I ever have done that in my life. Mm. So I do believe that this person has to be going through something of their own. And often when you challenge them and you say, what's, what's the problem? They actually do open up and they, 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 they unravel like a ball of string and go, I didn't really think you were going to reply. I just feel really bad. I've had a bad day. And then you have a, I mean, I don't do this very often, but you have a discussion with them and you actually find out they're just not in a good place. Yeah. And you send them away with a slightly different perspective, which is always a great victory for me. But mm. yeah, it's, it's just humans talking to humans. And unfortunately, when we're on our laptops and computers, it's basically there's, it's the equivalent of having a couple of beers at the pub. Your sort of your inhibitions are slightly lowered and you just say what you want to say. Mm. And you just got to take it with a pinch of salt. People just, they're very strange and unusual, especially at this time. So 
very odd, isn't it? What about sexual harassment? Because I, you know, I'm 50 and I get, you know, dick pics sent in my Instagram box and I hate it, but I don't do anything about it. I block them and then move on. But I've got two daughters, you know, 20 year olds. And if someone was doing it to them, I would be absolutely livid and I'd be mortified. So why are we all being so quite accepting of it? This just happens and Instagram don't really do anything about it. How can we change that? It's absolutely fucking unbelievable that this has become the norm. And I'm so angry because this is, it is, it's harassment and it is abuse. And what the problem is, is that the reason Instagram and, and, and all these major social media platforms don't want to face up to it and deal with it is because it is insane. It's an avalanche. They can't deal with the millions and millions of dick pics and, and, and harassment that are, quite frankly is, you know, like when it comes to sexual harassment, male to female. And so what they do is they go, we can't, I mean, we, we can't like sort of, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll, um, we'll delete the odd thing here and there. What we have to do, and this is what I try and do with my platform, is we actually have to change the way men see women as, as a whole, not just online, but as a whole, because we are quite literally they see us as holes well it's this it's we they, like, we they look at us and they just think of us as these these sort of 2d images that are there that are popped up they're there they're there for our they're for their pleasure and they just they just kind of bombard they just they don't think have any second thoughts about it and I think I wrote about this yesterday on my story I said we have to stop seeing women as these cookie cutter cardboard people mm that have absolutely no hopes, no dreams. They just see that like a lot, for a lot of men, for a lot of men, not all men, but you know, for the sexual harassment, the ones sexually harass online, they do just generally see women and they just think of them as, oh, all of this personality that they've got is getting in the way of the fact that I just want to see them as a vagina. I yeah. just want to see them as a sexual object. So for me, I take an absolutely balls out approach to trying to educate and like people into uh, particularly men because I know there are men that follow me and I want them to actually pick something up from me and learn and if we all did this and we all made it absolutely unacceptable the way I see it is if somebody sexually harasses you or if somebody touches you without your consent see it as though they've just punched you in the face they've just punched you in the face that, that that's how I see it I don't see it as oh you know it's just they're just men you know how it is that's that because that is still the attitude of it like, yeah. oh, well you know what, what bless them what the, that's just who they are no it's absolutely not they are human beings they use ipads they can use phones therefore they could they know not to sexually harass so that's how i see it if if, if they're going to do that to me it's the same as being punched in the face and i will treat it as such i will kick up a massive fuss because I think that's the only way we can deal with it is by making it so shameful that they just won't, they won't touch it. They won't do it. Um, and that, that's, yeah, that's my, it's, it's infuriating. But like you say, you've got two daughters, you know, my mum gets so angry, you know, yeah, to know sure. but at the same time I say to her, look, I am way angrier than you could ever be. And I will like, I genuinely, that's one of the marks I want to leave on this world is that I leave, the women in it like a live feeling a little bit more like they can stand up for themselves because it's unacceptable and we need to be saying that more and more like do not take do not accept that it's not right 
I love that you use your voice on, on your platform to highlight issues like this because it's so important. It's so important for younger women to have role models like you to be able to to follow and take something from. It's really important. And I love the um, Channel 4 Bring Back the Bush <laughs> you took in. So tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, what do you want to know? It was such well, a... It, so you weren't allowed to shave or use hair removal products for yeah. that length of time. How did that make you feel about your body? Because it is challenging. It's, it's challenging yourself again, isn't it? Well, do you know what? The real challenge wasn't her growing the hair. It was the revealing of the hair at the end. And then even then, I suppose some people did say to me, well, they said, well, I watched the program. It couldn't really see anything. So I didn't really get the, get the point. And I said, well, they, they chose a photo that the, the shadow was slightly sort of maybe kind of got, went over it slightly. So you couldn't see as much as I thought you could see. But it was, do you know, the thing about it was that, I mean, it's interesting when you grow your hair back and you've been shaving your whole life because it comes back patchy. It doesn't actually come back as this gorgeous sort of seventies bush as you imagine it's going to be. It comes back as this kind of slightly patchy, a bit sort of like undergrown kind of mess. Um, and so the thing that I noticed, I mean, is actually the hair growth that grows out onto your legs. It's not just, you know, obviously it's not just, it's, yeah. it's what goes out onto your legs, isn't it? So that's yeah. what they talk about with bikini waxes to make sure that every, they get all of that off. Um, it was a really, it was a really gorgeous and interesting process. Obviously seeing how the production of a program like that is made is always a real fascinating thing. And it also sort of gave me that opportunity to talk out about women's bodies in a way that I had never done so before, which yeah. was really great. I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a particularly galling process. I think because I have gotten so, so much of my body out online before, it didn't feel that weird. I think the other participants in the program, maybe bar one, was, you know, even they were quite sort of, you know, they were a little bit nervous. There was one girl who obviously dropped out. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you, yeah, yes. there was one girl who dropped out. She was, I mean, that was sad because I, I completely understood where she was coming from. It was a real, you know, we went from sort of, we were going to have a, a party on the beach and all of a sudden we were having a photo shoot, getting our actual pubic hair out, which was a complete switcheroo from the initial plan. Mm -hmm. So I completely understood why she dropped out because she wasn't expecting it. Yeah. But um, the way it was sort of framed was as this kind of like, oh, you know, she, she, she wasn't, brave enough and it's like it's an incredibly intimidating thing because to, to, to do that and it you know because I, I was seeing it in the context of I want women to not feel ashamed of their hair I mean for fuck's sake men get their hair out all the time and yeah. they've got hairy armpits and we're not allowed to have them we have to be completely shaven I mean what, what is that um, so you know like but she was seeing it from the perspective of a kind of sexual thing you know yeah. and I completely understand you know you don't if that's not what you expect to or want to do, then that's completely down to her. So yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting process and I really enjoyed it. But yeah, as for the hair growth bit, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't this kind of like tumbling kind of like, like thing. It wasn't like, wow, it was just like, oh, it's all right, I guess. <laughs> it didn't grow out as much as I would have hoped. I was hoping for something a bit more fluffy, but <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. And what about work during that time? Because I'm, I'm sure I read somewhere that you actually got asked to send a photograph of your pubes whilst you were doing mm. a casting. Yeah, I was, uh, there was a, there was a, um, a swimwear company who, not, not a big one, but they wanted to shoot with me. And I said to my agent, look, I 
I, uh, I've been doing this challenge. They knew that I've been doing this challenge. Yeah. This challenge. So I can't get rid of my hair, but I'm willing to sort of, you know, work with them. Um, if, but you know, I'm just letting them know that there is hair and they, and he said, okay, well, I'll give you the email to the person, which is strange in the first place. But he said, uh, you know, just sent, just, you know, have a chat with them. And they said, can we see, like, can we see what the growth is like? And I was like, okay. I was in the back of a bus on the way back from Gatwick airport. I'd just come back from a, just shooting a campaign. So I was a bit like, uh, uh, rather than going, no, <laughs> I went, yeah, okay. And you know, cause I was in that mindset of I'm going to get yeah. this out on TV. So who, yeah. anyway, so I sent it off and, um, I just didn't hear anything back. And then I was like, okay, so there's just pictures of my pubic area out there somewhere that someone has now. That's excellent. Um, and then obviously I lost some jobs as a result. Um, mm. you know, I, they were, they were in the, in the pipeline to be confirmed until, right. Um, they sort of said, look, we can't really do this with you right now if you've got this hair situation, but you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we'll come back and you know what that means as models don't. So, um, yeah, that was, it was, that was, that was the one frustrating part of the process, but after having actually done the program, it was completely worth it. Um, it was just at the time I was like, oh, cause you know how it is, you know, when you're a freelancer or when you're a a model, money is very important. So it's kind of like, oh. <laughs> so yeah that was frustrating but you know would you like work. to do more tv documentary style work oh god yes mm. absolutely i love television i love television i love film i love video videography all of it i'm absolutely bloody obsessed i think because i'm so chatty and i think because i a lot more of my personality comes out on camera and i know i'm a i go off on tangents and i know i'm a bit you know of a scatterbrain but it's just having that free flowing conversations much, yeah. much, much nicer. And it, again, it's what I would have, I mean, the journalism bit and production TV and production. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, how can I, I would love to do more presenting work. Mm. I really enjoy that. My only issue is when I, when I get a little bit, you know, I, sometimes I get a bit stage fright, but other than that, absolutely adore it. Love to do more of it. Yeah. So how ambitious are you for the future? Do you have like a, a bucket list for the next 10 years where you'd like to get to, or do you just go oh. slow? Um, do you know what? I'm, I'm sort of half and half. So I think it's always good to have, I think it's always good to write down what you want to do, right? So you basically, you take your, you take the thing you envision, you write it down and then you kind of come back to it every so often just to remind yourself of the, where you're going. Um, for me, I would love to be sort of doing, as I said, presenting work. Um, and I'd love to be doing more television focused stuff. It is, I might, I might not end up on this side of the camera. I might one day endeavor to be on the other side um, because I really, it's, it's, again, it's the thing that I always kind of wanted to do or I, or I wanted to sort of write. So yeah, I just, at the moment for me, it's mostly a process of just trying to write down everything. And I would say this to anyone, write it down. Um, the th- even, even the most outlandish thing you can think of maybe you it's a completely different trajectory maybe you are working in a supermarket but you've always wanted to work for the bbc on i don't know um doing like blue planet or something that is a bbc program right yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> i was like is it and it's bbc but maybe that's something that you've always wanted to do maybe it's just like oh my god like it's a pipe dream not necessarily you know i've known people who have literally just like gone on courses got what they need 
got a little intern, got an internship, you know, maybe in their sort of like mid thirties, forties, and they've ended up doing the dream job. There's, it's, it's never too late. And I, I don't know, I always, cause I think I have to tell myself that a lot cause some, I get very anxious and I do get very like, Oh my God, is it too late? Am I doing the right thing? Where am I going? You know? And I think we have all built this idea in our heads that we can, we can create a life where the path will always be able to see the path ahead. But even if, you were in a desert, you'd still, the curvature of the earth would still take it away from you. You still wouldn't be able to see the end. So ultimately, like, there's only so much planning we can do. So I think we all expect our life to be a series of, like, you know, steps, but actually yeah. it's a free fall. And every so often we might catch something that we wanted to do, but then, oh my God, we've been, we're doing this, we're doing this. Just take it all in your stride. So yeah. that's what I hope to do, but I know that it's going to be twinged with anxiety every now and then about what I'm doing but that's normal <laughs> I find I do a mood board every year at the beginning of the year I do a mood board of pictures of all the different things that, that I would dream of doing and if mm. I get one of those things throughout the year then that's fantastic and if that's I don't then that it's been nice to have that up in my wall for a year and then I'll do another one yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's one of my favorite things to do I love lists sometimes I'll write a list just for the just for the hell of writing a list and then not get any of it done. But you know, it's that kind of, it's just that idea of like, just giving you some, some, especially now in this current yeah. period of time, it's nice to have that bit of structure and don't beat yourself up if, you know, you haven't made all three of those websites you planned on making in a day. I mean, that's currently where I'm at. I'm just like, oh my God, what am I, what I got to get through the day. And it's like, you know, what did you do today? Oh my God, I don't know. I don't know what I did. I don't think I did anything that was worth it. Oh my God. So it's just like, don't beat yourself up, but just try and like, try and have the goal, right? Try and keep the goal in mind and just work, work, work towards it. And then eventually you kind of, a year goes by and you look and you go, oh, I actually did those things. I didn't eat, I completely forgot. Or maybe you didn't go to Japan, but you went to, I don't know, Bali instead or something. It's like, you know what I mean? It's still an experience. So don't beat yourself up. You don't stick to the absolute, like, you know, the absolute letter. <laughs> right, my last three questions I ask all my guests. So the first yeah. one, what song always motivates you? Do you have a favourite? Oh my goodness. You know, I actually had to write it down because, you know, I've had podcasts before where people have... um like ask me these sorts of things and I've always gone um, I don't know really I'll just uh, and I always I think ah, I wish I'd given a better answer so I did actually write them down I hope because I can't oh there they are so do you know what like recently I've been listening to you know Ed Sheeran's Castle on the Hill yeah oh isn't that a gorgeous song yeah, really. I, can't help it. I know a lot of people would go it's lame but I don't care it's such a gorgeous song it's so just like uplifting and it's nostalgic whilst also being like I miss my friends that's right now that's what I'm feeling it's like I miss my friends and I I can't wait to see them again that's the vibe of that song and it's a great running track as well anything that can get me out and running is is a great track for me <laughs> and what about a book that's inspired you do you read much I do read yes I unfortunately I don't read as much as I should read I used to be a, I used to be one of those obsessive readers you know you could try and have a conversation with me I wouldn't be like this I'd be like this you know I just what what, what? back to my book um so yes I, I I do read a lot but not as much as I wish I did so at the moment I'm reading Matt Haig um you know notes on a nervous planet or either right. or uh, uh what's the other one he's, he's oh, how to stay alive he's just oh, a, yeah. yeah just a brilliant writer really I think what inspires me about him is mostly not is his the way he writes it's very engaging and yet and he writes 
about very big topics like anxiety, depression, suicide, and you know, consumerism and the planet and the human race in such simplistic terms. And it's so engaging and yet it's so informative. I think it's just, that's what inspires me about him and his writing. And it also just kind of gives you that sense of calm that actually as a human race, we are all a bit weird and a bit flawed and awkward. And that's absolutely fine. That's what I like about him. And that's what inspires me most about his writing. Right, I should look that one up. And um, yeah. what's about who inspires you? Oh my goodness. Um, so I thought about like who inspires me and I thought, well, the list is too long. So what I try to do is I try to ch like cut it down to who inspires me like today. Um, and that can go on for like a week. Um, you know, obviously people often say like my mom, my mom does inspire me. She's amazing. Um, and she's inspiring me today because she's off, you know, helping her patients, you know, and she's a, she's a mental health nurse. She's doing a lot of work right now. But today, um, my dog, because he is super chill. I'm a very like anxious, flitty person. He's a very chill old man and he just hangs around the house. And he's like, if he was a person, he'd be out there like with a cocktail and some sunglasses on, just like taking it as it is. So I'm inspired by that level of like chill. Um, and the other one is, is, is completely on the other end of the spectrum. It's the guy called Alan de Botton, who I've become obsessed with recently. He's a great English philosopher and author. And his books are all about um, like the school of life, and making mistakes and um, you know, emphasizing like philosophy's relevance to everyday life. And I know that sounds so like, like sort of arsey and stupid, but honestly, I really recommend anybody looking up his work. If you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed right now, or if you're feeling a bit scared and you know, you're not quite sure if you've done the right, gone the right way in life, listen to him because he is just, he just puts you everything into perspective and he's absolutely fascinating. So today it's my mum, my dog and Alan de Botton. <laughs> Perfect list. Well, thank you. And you inspire me and, and oh, I inspire so loads of loads of women. So actually, keep all the good work. Me as well, because you're honestly like, I think, I think, I think when I look back over my career, I focus so much on size and there is, as you have pointed out numerous times on social media and when I've met you, that there is this sorely like missed, like sort of arena of modeling and that is women, you know, over 40 and like any, and it's, and you, that in itself inspires me because I think, I don't know how much attention I would have paid to it prior until you brought it up. Hmm. So that is, that is in itself like, of such value to me because I think when you're in your 20s there is your horizon is a little bit kind of just like yeah completely you don't imagine you don't worry about being 40 exactly. <laughs> we're, all, we're all like that you know we all see things from our own horizons until yeah. someone goes have you considered this and you go oh, do you know what I haven't considered that before so honestly like you too like it's it's a real you know it's people like you that are adding that you know another surface to the prism of this modeling world and it's so exciting to have people like you in it so thank you as well well thank you well if we all keep using our voices hopefully we'll create a bigger change exactly it's an exciting time you know let's yeah. do this we can do it as well it's going to be great well thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day and thank i look forward you. to seeing what you get up to next when all this is over Oh my gosh, yeah, me too. I'll have to see. Maybe I'll just become a full-time slug and just live on <laughs> Take care of yourself. Keep well. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's Out of the Bubble. And I hope it's left you feeling inspired. I'd love to hear from you. 
who inspires you and why. Please get in touch. You can contact me via my website, rachelperumodel.com or leave a message on the Anchor app. And if you're listening via iTunes, don't forget you can leave feedback. In the meantime, keep being fabulous.